Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, Merry Christmas. Here is your snowy day version of our podcast as we cancel church on Sunday this week. For you at home, we have a video to start out with, which has a guy who wanted to break his family out of their rut for the Christmas season. Uh, with so many traditions and, and decorations and Christmas movies and parties that was part of their normal Christmas life, he felt like Jesus was getting lost into it. So, as they were doing the regular setup for their, their Christmas decorations, and in particular, as they got to their nativity scene, they were putting it out, but before they got there, he took baby Jesus, and he hit him. And he hit him because one of the things he thought was getting lost in it was Jesus in the middle of it. And so, with his three little kids and with a somewhat perturbed look from his wife, he began this new tradition where he hides the baby Jesus in the manger and all throughout the Christmas season as they set their Christmas decorations up on the day after Thanksgiving, they're wondering, where could Jesus be? And, and in doing so is, is trying to build some kind of expectancy into their midst. If you'd like to look at the video, you can look at a preview of it on skitguides.com and it is under the Christmas gifts um, or the gifts of Christmas, and it is the first one on expectancy. Well, expectancy. For us, it's about what's, well, what God is still going to do, what we are still looking for and expecting Christ to do in our lives. And, and as we commemorate the, the birth of Christ at Christmas time, uh, we remember that it's essential to the life, but also the death and the resurrection of Christ in the t- and uh, in the time to come, we look forward to, well, his coming again. And what's essential here is that while we participate with our culture during this time of of celebration, uh, there's no surprise in this for us. We know what happens. We know the story. We've been reciting it year after year after year. Jesus comes in a manger and all that that entails to Mary and to Joseph. And there's angels that are part of this. and, And so we know all that. But For us, as we think about expectancy, we're thinking about what is to come. Because this is not a surprise as well. The the, the first coming was really not a surprise on some level for those in a Jewish tradition because they knew that there was Messiah, that Messiah was going to come, and and Isaiah in particular, but also Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and Zechariah, they talk as well about this coming of Messiah, this one who will rescue them. But obviously when he came, they didn't get it. And as we look back, we're like, how could you miss it? Well, I want to look at a particular text to start off here and, and, and look at how this was brought forth before them. We've been looking through the book of Acts and as we watched Paul talk again and again about how the Christ had to come in the manner that he did, he was taking texts like Isaiah 9, which we're going to look at in a minute, and saying, see, this is how it was supposed to be. This is what God had planned all along. 
And so as we look at that, there is this sense of understanding and expectation that God is doing something, that God is going to be working something and, and moving in the lives of his people. But just what's that going to look like? The book of Isaiah is uh, many people's favorite book in the Old Testament. It gives great pictures of, of who Messiah is, of God and his care for them. And, and certainly there is lots and lots of stories that, and prophecies about hard things that are going to happen because of disbelief. In the first eight chapters of Isaiah, we have kind of a back and forth, an up and down relationship between God and his people Israel. He talks about loving them and caring for them like a vineyard, but also how they have rejected him and walked away from him. And, and because of that rejection of God, they face times of gloom. And that's how chapter 8 ends. And, and so as he begins chapter 9, he takes another tack. And this is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire." For to us, a child is born. For to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So, so this, again, a beautiful passage, and many of us are familiar with many of these terms here, particularly because of Handel's Messiah and, and how all that describes the coming of the Messiah. But on some level, as we look at this, and again, it begins with there will be no more gloom. What is the picture we have in, in verses 1 to 5? Uh, the people walking in darkness. What's, gonna, what's the thing that excites them? Well, as, as verse 5 be, finishes the first part of this, it talks about a day when they will be released from their oppressors. So in, in that day when, when, when Gideon leads the people to defeat the Midianites, they threw off their oppressor. And so what was a good Jew in, in the first century, in the, the days prior to Jesus' birth, to think about when he thought about Messiah? The Messiah is going to bring us deliverance. And it's going to be violent and bloody. We're going to throw them off. That's what it looks like. And as they move from verse 5 into verse 6, this idea of for us to... For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. 
he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, well, if I were reading that, I would be like, yeah, whatever, God. I don't know what that means, but certainly this warrior is going to come and take care of us, and he's going to throw this off. I don't know what you mean about this son and this wonderful counselor and mighty God. Whatever that means. But as Paul will be explaining to those from a Jewish faith, this is the picture of Messiah that's there. And he will spring other details about how the Messiah had to be a sacrifice. And it's the son that is born that gives them the picture of what this is going to be about. The government shall rest on him. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. This is going to be someone, but he's also going to be, well, mighty God. What is that about? The confusion for them would have been stark, but in revealing Jesus and his whole plan, and this is the thing that we get to see. This is what we're able to look at in, in retrospect as we look now at these texts on the other side of what Jesus did, his birth and his life and his, his resurrection and death. I mean, all the things that the, the apostles, as they're looking at, they're still thinking he's going to take over and, and his kingdom's going to come in glory. And, and even as, as he ascends into heaven, he's asking, they're asking him, hey, when is, it, is this the time you're going to do it? He's like, nah, this is not the time. And he tells them, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. But in retrospect, he's like, oh, that's, that's what's going on. And so now if that's part of the vision of Messiah's coming, which again becomes clear after we've seen it, what about for us? As we think about the second coming of Jesus, because as we, as we consider Advent, again, Advent is not us thinking, oh, Jesus is going to be born again in the stable. Well, that, that's what we remember and celebrate his big word here, his incarnation, him becoming flesh, God becoming human. Well, that happened. We know that happened. But what has not yet happened? What is it that we here in 2019 continue to expect. It's Jesus coming again. It's Jesus returning. And, and what is that going to look like? What can we expect from that? And I have a couple texts that I want us to look at that give us at least a little picture of what that looks like. And the first is in Matthew chapter 24. And as as Jesus is walking and they're, they're coming out of the temple in Jerusalem and his disciples are like, whoa, this is quite the deal. Uh, Jesus can use that to give them a bigger picture of what's going on. So in chapter 24 of Matthew, starting in verse 1, and and I'm going to read through verse 35. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to call his attention to its building. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. 
but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against nation. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So, when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great distress, unequaled from the the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs start to get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Well, obviously a long passage there, but, but as Jesus begins telling his disciples about what's going to come and he uses them standing in the temple and then overlooking it from the Mount of Olives, he says, all right, here's what this is going to look like. And there's going to be all kinds of things that, well, they're mysterious. And, and how, do, how will this look? I mean, certainly we have wars and we've had famines. We have all kinds of things that we deal with in the centuries and millennia since Jesus died and ascended. So how do we put this together? And, and one of the things that Jesus says is, hey, there's going to be all kinds of things that are going to direct your attention. And these are some of the things that are going to happen. There's going to be, well, there's going to be terrible things. That's one of the things that we can look forward to. 
But as Jesus talks about this further, he does talk about that there, there will be this cutting short of these days as well, that for the sake in particular of the elect, that, that they will be shortened. And, and people will be looking and saying, oh, there's the Christ. And he's like, nope, that's not it. Because when the Christ comes, you're going to know it. This is what it's going to look like. And we see the Son of Man coming in and all his descriptions of that and, and descriptions that are repeated as Paul talks about this to the Thessalonian church in, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. And, and as they dealt with it, and we're wondering, how, they, how is this going to happen? We have a, uh, for the Thessalonians, many of them were worried that because people died, they were going to miss it. And, and Paul gives them some assurance that, no, 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 the dead, they'll be taken care of. Don't worry about this. But what Jesus says is, there's going to be signs to see. Uh, he has that, that, that statement there about the, the vultures. And as the vultures are, are, are floating around there, are, are flying around, um, where there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. What, what does that mean? Well, when there's a carcass, what do the vultures do? They show up to eat. And so there's a sign, a symbol, if you see vultures... There's probably a carcass. Uh, when we lived out in, in Arizona, one of the things we would see often is buzzards and vultures, and, and oftentimes they'd be, be floating on thermals in just this beautiful, this swirling display, but sometimes, oftentimes, you would see them gathering and soaring over things, and, and there's an indication something's dead there, and they're, they're kind of watching out to make sure that they can get in at it and, and take care of it. Uh, same with the picture of, of the fig tree. If you know figs trees and you know what they do and when they do it, when you see these different elements of them as, as they're, they're continuing to grow, you know something. As it's tender and its leaves come out, summer's coming. All he's saying is, you're going to know. The signs that come, they're going to help you and, and, and you're going to realize that this is coming. So, so don't be so concerned about it. It's interesting as... as Jesus ascends into heaven and his disciples are, are watching him go and they're just probably awestruck by the vision of Jesus ascending. And, and as they're standing there, uh, two men in white come up to him and, and if we recall this, what do they say to them? Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We're going to know this. This is not going to be a mystery for us who are watching and looking with, with expectancy. As we watch, as we understand and, and, and depend upon and look upon what God is going to do, we're going to see what's going to happen. Again, Paul encourages the church with this as well. In, in chapter 5 of his letter to the, the Thessalonians, his first letter, he says, now brothers, this is chapter 5, verse 1. Now brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. All right, and so there's our mystery. So how is it going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? No one knows. It's going to be like a thief in night. And, and as he goes on in verse 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. Right, and then Paul says, but you, brothers, are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, 
But let us be alert and self-controlled. And this idea of, of alertness and self-control and guiding and directing our lives is, is something that we anticipate and look for what God is going to do. And that is the encouragement for us as we go through this time of Advent, as we come to it again and again, year after year, we, we come to Advent in anticipation of certainly the Christmas season, but the church has used this expectancy as a way of redirecting us again to Jesus' second coming. He is coming again. When is that going to happen? We don't know. It's obviously a lot closer than it was, but how much closer are we? We don't know. But what we do know is there will be things to see. And what the call for us in these days is to live our lives alert, watching, looking, and understanding the times, understanding that that there's pictures of what God is going to do in the Scriptures. And we can see what it possibly is going to be. We can anticipate And so the message is be on watch. Continue to look for this and to continue to live your lives faithfully for the Lord. And in the meanwhile, we still remember this time and we still remember this time with gifts to one another. Uh, Gifts because we matter. We have value. So much so that God so loved the world that he gave He gave us the gift of his son, Jesus. Um, But the gift is bound up in the results, not just the mind-blowing start. It is what happens at the end, that and living this life and having been born to Mary and Joseph and then talking about the kingdom of God and and raising and, and guiding his disciples and what it means to be followers and preparing them for the time when he would die and then resurrect and then ascend to continue this message of hope and to send that down the line. This gift of God is available and accessible. And so we take the time to remember, well, the end of this life of Jesus and recall that for us it is the the beginning of a new life. We think and remember this and, and, and our monthly pattern of of sharing communion together. We take this time every month to remember God loved us so much that he died on our behalf. And remember as well that he's coming again. This is is what is to characterize us as followers of Jesus, our Lord. During his 1960 presidential campaign, John F. Kennedy often closed his speech with a story of Colonel Davenport. He was the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives uh, back in the 1700s. And one day in 1789, the sky of Hartford darkened ominously and some of the representatives, glancing out the windows, feared the end was hand. That's got to be quite a storm, doesn't it? Well, quelling a clamor for immediate adjournment, Davenport rose and said, the day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. 
rather than fearing what is to come, we are to be faithful till Christ returns. Instead of fearing the dark, we're to be lights as we watch and wait. Again, Advent is this time of waiting and expectancy. And, and again, we can be so focused during this time of year on, on getting Christmas decorations and preparations ready to go of, oh, we've got our, our movies we've got to watch. We have the things we need, have the parties we need to have and, and the gatherings that we need to do and all the things that go along with this time of year. But as the Father in our video showed Sometimes we need to do something to catch the attention of our families, of our friends, of our community, to remember Jesus is still someone we expect and look forward to. His coming again is something real, and it's something for each of us. And for this gift that God gave us in His Son, which we remember in the gifts we give to one another at Christmas, We tell others. We go about our task. And so if the day of the Lord is going to be today or tonight or next week, whenever it is, what are we doing? What are we looking for? What are we anticipating? That's our call in this time of year, to remember that there's more than just the birth of Jesus in the stable at hand here. That reminds us of this beginning, of this great work that God is doing that's going to culminate in his coming again and and the setting up of his eternal kingdom forever and ever. Let's pray. Uh, Father, this day we come to you and thank you for the ways that you, you gave pictures of what was to come through uh, our brothers Isaiah and and others like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah. Thank you for giving us insights. And then now, having seen Jesus come, we're able to see you were talking about this all along. You had a plan. And even as you had a plan for Jesus coming the first time, you have as well a plan this second time. And Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're going to do. Help us to be alert and to be living our lives this day, ready and expectant that you might come, even this day, and that we will be found walking faithfully with you, knowing you, looking for you, anticipating when you come in glory again. And set things to right. We come before you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.